Hey, everybody. We've got a new week, and that means it's time for a new episode of Best Flicks. This week, I'm tackling everything new that's coming to HBO Max, and they've got a lot of really great offerings this month. So I'm going to get into that in just a minute. First, I want you to know you can find me on Twitter at BestFlixRickyD. I'm also part of the Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch. We are uh, getting almost done with our Firefly Rewatch. Uh, we're finishing the last episode this week, so that means we are tackling Objects in Space. That's the episode with Jubal Early in his bright red jumpsuit. Uh, one more thing, twistmyarmpodcast.com. That is our website. If you're interested in the Sudden But Inevitable rewatch, if you're interested in Best Flicks with Ricky D, I hope you are because it sounds like you're listening. Or if you're interested in any of the other products that we put out, all the podcasts, all the cool stuff that we do, streaming, etc., check us out, twistmyarmpodcast.com. I have some ideas for the future of my Best Flicks uh, part of the website. I want to start doing blogs about certain movies because I'm getting really quick snapshots into these in this show. But there's certain movies that I've really liked watching recently, like Moxie, which came out on Netflix. And I want to do a quick blog and just talk a little more in depth about it, that kind of thing. And then I also kind of talk about this ethereal list that I'm making of shows that I need to watch, shows that you guys need to watch. But it's all talk. I want to make it actually physical and do something that I can kind of cross off the list and other people can tell me they've listened to my recommend or they've watched my recommendations and they can tell me what they want, what they thought of it. And then I can cross your guys's stuff off of the list of things that I think you need to watch. So I think those are some cool ideas that will be coming down the pipeline before too long. Uh, but let's get started. HBO Max, April 1st. Uh, almost, I'd say more than 90% of the product showing up on HBO Max this month is showing up April 1st. So if you can make it through this April 1st, you're going to make it through the old episode. So starting out, A Shock to the System. This one sounds kind of cool. It stars Michael Caine, and he's the head of an adver- adver- <laughs> he's the head of an advertising department, and he gets passed up for a promotion in favor of a younger employee. And to deal with his frustration, he ends up killing a homeless man, accidentally, but he ends up having no consequences. And this leads him to acting out revenge on anyone who has wronged him, and it possibly goes as far as him acting out some of his frustrations on his wife. So I've never heard about A Shock to the System. Michael Caine was uh, from the new Batman. He was Alfred in the Batman Beyond and Batman Dark Knight, those kind of things. Uh, It sounds like a really interesting movie. Abandoned, 2002. Uh, This only got 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. It looks pretty bad. Uh, It's starring Katie Holmes when she was much younger. She's uh, in her senior year of college in the movie. Uh, Her old boyfriend died a few years ago, and she's having issues moving on, is basically what I got from all of my synopsis. I definitely recommend everybody just go ahead and skip that one, unless you really need to see young Katie Holmes in another movie. Adam's Rib from 1949. Uh, HBO Max has a section in their app called uh, for Turner Classic Movies, the channel, and they've got a lot of really cool old movies in here. I don't know if Gone with the Wind is on there. I haven't checked recently, but it's those type of uh, 1930s to 1960s, really highly rated, like big Hollywood movies. But Adam's Rib kind of falls into that category. 
It's 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so that definitely puts it in the classics. There's a husband and wife. They're lawyers on opposite sides of a case, a defense attorney and a prosecutor. And they end up in the same courtroom working opposite sides of the co- of the case. Uh, and then the work finds its way home. This is meant to be a comedy. It's supposed to be like kind of courtroom comedy kind of thing. It sounds kind of interesting. All is Lost from 2013. This was a Robert Redford movie. I didn't know Robert Redford was still acting in 2013. But again, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the stuff that Robert Redford does, but I'd be hard-pressed to say that it's not high quality. Uh, But Robert Redford goes out on his boat. One night while asleep, his boat is damaged by another boat passing by, and it's taking on water. And now Robert Redford is alone in the ocean with a failing boat and dwindling supplies, and he has to draw on himself to get out of the situation. Uh, It sounds a little castaway-esque, if he had never made it to the island. But that one sounds kind of good. All is Lost, the Robert Redford movie. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, if you're looking for, you know, man in the wilderness trying to survive, that sounds really good. Assume the position with Mr. Wool. Robert Wool is the actor that played Arliss, if you remember Arliss from, like, late 90s HBO. But he takes a look at facts and myths in American history. Uh, and then the only other actor credited to this was David Cross. You probably remember him as Tobias from Arrested Development, The Never Nude. Uh, this sounds really interesting. I like, I love David Cross. I like Robert Wool. And, you know, take looking at American history through the lens of comedy, that sounds like a really interesting idea. So assume the position with Mr. Wool. Barbarossa, 1982. This is an old Western-style movie. Uh, it's young cowboys meet up with a legendary legendary outlaw, and before long, they're both running from the law. So 1982, cowboys. Yeah, it exists. Black Dynamite from 2009. Uh, there used to be these things called exploitation films that came around in the 70s and 80s, and it was basically just a way to get african-americans on cinema but they were also being very demeaned in the process of making those movies and recently there's been a new movement in hollywood to make these like reverse black exploitation films where they look very similar and they read very similar to the classic black exploitation films but the narrative is flipped on its head and the african-american characters are actually real protagonists versus the old black exploitation films they were just incarnations of pimps and drug addicts and that kind of thing so uh black dynamite has some pretty good reviews and i like the idea of the reverse black exploitation movies that have been going on so black dynamite check it out blindness from 2008 a whole city goes blind all at once so it kind of explores what would the difficulty of that be. I'm sure when everybody goes blind at once, there's going to be a whole bunch of car accidents. Uh, and nobody's going to be able to go to work. And there's going to be all kinds of social implications. So the movie Blindness is about what that would be like. The Bodyguard, 1992. Whitney Houston is a pop diva. And she needs a she's personal security. 
Uh, part of that security is Kevin Costner's Frank Farmer, which is his real character name. Uh, so she falls in love with her bodyguard, Frank Farmer. And that's basically what the bodyguard from 1992 is. I'm sure it's got some good music scenes in it and that kind of thing. Boogie Nights from 1997. Mark Wahlberg. Back when Mark Wahlberg was Marky Mark. Uh, this is the show where he was basically a male stripper. Uh, he had a giant penis. And he is hired as a porn actor to move forward from his... Uh, dancing career he goes by the name Dirk Diggler which I never noticed when I was a kid but playing Diablo 2 there's a weapon called the Dirk Diggler which is interesting uh, this is the movie where Heather Graham played Roller Girl I'm sure lots of the middle-aged men in my audience are familiar with Roller Girl and Heather Graham uh, Dirk is living his best life during all of this pornography and everybody being fascinated with his uh endowment and all of this but eventually everything kind of comes crashing down on him boogie nights is a very good movie despite how ridiculous it is and i think it's important that everybody should definitely give that one a check bringing up baby from 1938 this is another old black and white film it's got great ratings on uh rotten tomatoes like i said if you like those classic movies Check out the Turner Classic Movie section of the HBO Max app, and it's all gold in there. I, it's not for everybody because there's so much more modern stuff coming out, but that doesn't mean some of the old cinema isn't amazing. Caddyshack from 1980. Chevy Chase, Bull, Bill Murray, Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, this is a great comedy set on a golf course. This is a classic. Most people know about it. Uh, it had the... I was going to say it had the dancing gopher, but I can't remember if that's Caddyshack or if that is Groundhog Day. And as I explain it, it almost has to be Groundhog Day because it's not a dancing uh, squirrel or anything. It's a dancing groundhog. So uh, either way, Caddyshack, Groundhog Day, they're both heavy-hitting Bill Murray movies. The Collection from 2012. There is a criminal on the loose known as The Collector. Our protagonist ends up being captured by The Collector, and she finds and tries to lose one of her captives. So it's just kind of a cat and mouse chase horror movie. Uh, I didn't read anything particularly good about it, so I'm not going to recommend it. Recommend it. Uh, the Collection, you can get past that. The Color Purple from 1985, starring Oprah Winfrey and Whoopi Goldberg. It's the 40-year story of Celie and her difficult time at, or her difficult time of life uh, and her representation of African Americans struggling in America. Uh, she had an abusive father figure. She's dealing with everyday racism. She's dealing with second-class citizenship. And it's just kind of a story of how do you deal with all of these oppressive feelings in society and try to grow up to be a contributing member, I guess. Dante's Peak, 1997, starring Pierce Brosnan as the volcanologist. Uh, if you guys remember, this is the year that two different volcano movies came out. There was Volcano, and there was Dante's Peak. And I don't think since 1997 there's been a volcano movie, and they weren't very popular beforehand. 
Uh, it's very interesting that 1997 cranked out two volcano movies. Dark Shadows, 2012. This one's directed by Tim Burton. I didn't know anything about this, but he's got basically his entire crew there. He's got Johnny Depp. He's got Ava Green. He's got Michelle Pfeiffer, Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, it looks very Tim Burton-esque, and it looks really cool. If you're into uh, his kind of stuff, definitely check out Dark Shadows. Dead Silence, 2007. This is a really bad-looking horror film. It's got a dummy as the main villain, the killer, and the dummy looks exactly like the dummy from those Goosebump books, the uh, Night of the Living Dummy. And now that I think about it, it had to be the dummy from the Goosebumps TV show on Nickelodeon that I'm remembering. But either way, it doesn't look scary. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look anything. Nobody watched Dead Silence. Dirty Harry, 1971. Everybody knows Dirty Harry. Uh, it's regarded as a classic film starring Clint Eastwood with narratives and themes that really wouldn't work out very well in today's society. Uh, the crux of the film here is Clint Eastwood is trying to apprehend a suspect, but he cannot do so through legal means. He can't catch the guy doing anything wrong, but he does know his suspect is doing illegal things, immoral things, and basically hurting society as a whole, but he can't prove it in a court of law, so he has to reach into unconstitutional means to apprehend the suspect. And while that might have been an exciting, interesting thought in 1971, in 2021, cops going into unconstitutional means is not a good storyline to be exploring. The Eagle Has Landed. This was a British war film starring Michael Caine again. I mentioned him earlier as Alfred from the Dark Knight series of Batman movies. Uh, it's a fictional story about Germans trying to kidnap Winston Churchill near the end of World War II. It didn't actually happen. It's just kind of rewriting history and giving an interesting what if. Early Man from 2018. This is a British animated program. Uh, if you remember like Shaun the Sheep. They had that weird claymation, goofy-looking stuff, and uh, this one, Early Man, looks very similar. It's got 81% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's pretty high for a claymation, and it's also staring Maisie Williams, who is Arya in Game of Thrones, and I think almost everybody's a big fan of her at this point, so I might check out Early Man. Easy Rider from 1969. Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper are the main characters. They get some money from a drug deal in Southern California, and they ride across the country on their motorcycles to do some soul-searching with this money. But they run into problems and friends along the way, and it's basically just this film about self-discovery on the road. Ella Enchanted from 2004. This was one of those uh, live-action takes on old fairy tales. This one kind of looks like Cinderella, if I'm understanding correctly from my synopsis. But the main character is visited by the fairy godmother, and all of a sudden her real life starts morphing into the fairy tale that it's representing. So you could look at this as kind of a fairy tale for preteens or young teenagers. Uh, it has that fairy tale aspect that's good for children, but it also thrusts it into the real world with real actors and... Uh, 
you know, adult situations a little bit and not adult situations, but preteen situations, I guess. And the live action kind of lends itself to that more 12, 13 year old uh, audience versus the four to nine year old audience. The Evil That Men Do, 1984. A professional killer is retired and living a peaceful life. Then he learns there is a doctor torturing people in South Africa and feels he must intervene. Not super original, even for 1984, but if you're looking for that kind of action drama, you know, professional killer needing to get back into his game, it could be decent even if not original. Eye for an Eye, 1996. This is one of the lower-rated movies, 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. A woman is on the phone with her teenage daughter at home. She hears someone break into her home and murder her daughter, and then the murderer gets off on a technicality because I guess he was arrested and prosecuted somehow, but then he gets off, and now Mom is obsessed with revenge against this person that killed her daughter. Yeah, 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not an interesting idea. Probably not a good execution. No thanks. Fear, 1996. Mark Wahlberg, coming back for another HBO show, is a 23-year-old dating 16-year-old Reese Witherspoon. Yikes. Uh, It turns out that 23-year-olds that date 16-year-olds are flawed, uh, both in real life and in the movie world. And he ends up being a violent sociopath that this young girl brought into the family. So, I don't know. It sounds icky. It doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound interesting. I don't know if fear is in my wheelhouse. Genera Plusian. No. Gen. Gen. Uh. It's generation where the T is a plus sign. Genera Plusian. Uh, This is the finale for season one. This is a documentary style program where high schools are or high school students are exploring modern takes on sexuality and testing some of the deeply entrenched beliefs about life. I think it's just a very LGBTQ friendly kind of show, uh, making teenagers feel more comfortable with themselves rather than struggling with all these feelings they have inside. So this is kind of cool. It's not something that I'm probably going to end up watching, but I think it is something that's important that's going down, and I think it will help people. So generation with a plus sign instead of a T, genera plusian. Uh, that sounds like a pretty cool show. All right, Ghost Rider from 2007. This is one of those moments where Nicholas Cage, where we all realize that Nicholas Cage's career was just spiraling down the toilet. Uh, This was a very, very expensive movie. It's when they were still poking around at the superhero thing, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe hadn't kind of swept in and provided this enormous solution to the superhero movie game. You'd still get just little itty-bitty tastes of superhero movies every couple of years, and they were usually real bad. And Ghost Rider from 2007 is rough goodfellas goodfellas is coming to hbo max i watch this movie every two months or so i love martin scorsese i love his gangster movies 
I love all those other weird ones he does. Uh, I think the only way to do any justice to Goodfellas, that you don't need to know anything I have to say about Goodfellas. I'm just going to drop a couple of quotes from the movie. So here's a couple of them. This is going to get a little non-safe for work. So i uh, got to drop a couple of F-bombs probably looking through these. All right. One day, some of the kids from the neighborhood carried my mother's groceries all the way home. You know why? It was out of respect. I'm sure everybody remembers Jimmy two times. Going to go get the papers. Get the papers. Uh, there's also, of course, uh, Joe Pesci's line as Tommy DeVito. You mean, let me understand this. Because, you know, maybe it's me. I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown? I amuse you? I make you laugh? I'm here to fucking amuse you? What do you mean, funny? Funny how? How am I funny? And the last one I'm going to throw out is, hey, kid, how about you go to your fucking shine box? All right. I think I got all of the swearing out of my system for that. Thank you for sticking with me through that. Uh, next movie. The Great Pottery Barn Throwdown, season four, Max Original. Uh, this is just a pottery-based competition show. Uh, if you've ever seen Blown Away, where it's the glass-blowing competition show on Netflix, I think it is, and then there is Blown Away. Or no, I just mentioned Blown Away. Forged in Fire. Uh, I think that one's on, like, Spike or something, where there's blacksmiths actually in a blacksmithing competition, on screen right in front of you trying to make the best thing this is a pottery version i think you could even argue that nailed it the baking show from netflix is kind of in the same theme so if you're interested in any of those shows if you're interested in pottery uh anything like that this could be a really cool show all of those other ones are very simple but they're really fun to watch so this is a really good genre for tv all right green lantern from 2011 ryan reynolds plays the green lantern and the Green Lanterns are a cosmic society that are meant to do good in the universe. Ryan Reynolds plays the first Green Lantern from Earth. Uh, and it's just in time because evil is on its way to Earth. So we need a Green Lantern, right? Uh, this was a decent movie. I think it paved the way for Ryan Reynolds to get into Deadpool. So Green Lantern is good, but Deadpool is better. Uh Green Lantern is available for you to view on HBO as of today. Hardball from 2001. From reading a quick synopsis of this, what I can understand is Keanu Reeves uh, has a bunch of gambling debts that he has to pay off. And in order to get the money, he gets a corporate sponsorship for his kids' Little League team. And from there, he gets involved in their lives. So I guess it's kind of a feel-good family thing. It starts out with Keanu Reeves being a degenerate gambler, and by the end of it, he is super dad hanging out with all these kids playing baseball. Happy ending. <clears throat> Happy endings. Uh, this is a three-season show about a couple that splits up on their wedding day, and that forces the friends to decide, do they want to be friends with the groom or the bride? Where are all the friends going to go to? And I think all the friends want to be friends with everybody. And it's only the couple that split up that want to divide things. I don't know. It sounds like a really generic sitcom. Haywire, 2012, starring Gina Carano uh, of Mandalorian and more recently X mandalorian fame. 
So Gina Carano is a secret agent, and she goes to save a hostage group, but she ends up being double-crossed by her own teammate, her own partner, and now she has to rely on her training to survive behind the enemy lines and find out who betrayed her and why. That sounds pretty decent. Uh, you know, just kind of a classic behind-enemy-lines war hostage situation. That could be halfway decent. In and Out, 1997. This one sounds kind of interesting. It was labeled on Google as comedy slash LGBT, which I didn't know was a genre you could choose back in 1997. But the main character wins an Academy Award, and while he is thanking people from his life, he outs his teacher from high school for being gay. This causes all kinds of issues with the teacher's family, uh, the recently outed gay man has a fiance, uh, his family-to-be, and his own family. Uh, this basically... So the main character outs him, not in a negative way, but he's just excited to be getting this Academy Award. And, you know, I love you, Mr. Smith. Uh, thanks for being the best gay model ever, something like that. Gay role model. <laughs> Those are little different things. Uh, and it just kind of... It unwinds his life from there. Kicking and Screaming from 2005. Uh, this is one of Will Ferrell's attempts to do family comedy. Uh, Will Ferrell plays his kind of loudmouth screaming character that he always plays. And he's a soccer coach for Little League. So I don't really recommend it for anybody. But if you're a big fan of Will Ferrell or maybe you need to distract some kids for a little while, this movie does have its purposes. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword from 2017. Uh, I don't remember any King Arthur movies coming out in 2017. Last one I remember was the one with Ke with Kira Knightley. Uh, that was like 2006-ish. But like I said, I don't remember this coming out, and that kind of makes sense. It only got 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it lost about $4 million in the box office. It didn't even make back its money. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre the Third. Uh, this is back when horror movies were making just ungodly amounts of sequels for all of their bad horror movie ideas. Uh, Friday the 13th with Jason. That one, they made like 150 of those. Freddy Krueger, they probably made a million Freddy Krueger movies. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Same thing, they were pumping out tons of those. This one has a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. And you know, I think I'm kind of lying to myself saying that this is a thing of the past where they made a million sequels off of one bad horror movie idea. I think Snakes on a Plane got like three sequels. Sharknado has a whole bunch of sequels. That's, I guess it's not a relic from the past. Uh, they're still doing that, they're just rehashing bad ideas because they can make a couple million dollars off of it and that's just kind of the ugly side of hollywood there are a lot of producers that just are looking to make a quick buck and are not trying to make any art all right let's go to prison from 2006 this is an excellent cast starring dax shepherd will arnett and bob odenkirk and it got 13 percent on rotten tomatoes yikes uh, some criminals want revenge on a dead judge. The dead judge's son is put in jail 
over a bad trial and the criminal sorry so the judge's son is put in jail and now Dax Shepard and Will Arnett and Bob Odenkirk want to get into jail with this judge's son so they can kind of mess with him and reenact some of that vengeance that they feel they need from the judge who has already passed. That's a really awkward, bad idea. I uh, It probably deserves a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I apologize to that cast. The Longest Yard from 1974. I'm sure many people are familiar with the Adam Sandler remake. This is an older one starring Burt Reynolds, and it's basically just a pickup football game of prisoners versus guards. And, of course, everybody has a lot of animosity towards each other, so it gets really violent, and it's a little bit tougher than your average pickup football game. Made for Love. This is the Max original series premiere. Uh, this one is, it follows Hazel Green as the character, played by Kristen Meloti. Uh, Kristen Meloti, I, I recognize her from the Palm Springs. Uh, that was with Andy Samberg. It was a pretty good Hulu movie where I think they were like the last couple people on Earth. Uh, it, it didn't stick with me, but it was a fun little comedy on Hulu. Uh, but in this one, it's a 30-something-year-old woman on the run after 10 years in a suffocating marriage with her husband. And her husband is a controlling tech billionaire. Uh, and he has implanted tech and, like, monitoring device in her head. And it's allowing her him to track her location, her emotional data, those kind of things. It sounds really good. It's an HBO original. And it's got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. That'll probably fluctuate because it's a really new show. But I'm definitely going to check out Made for Love. I've been seeing it floating around HBO. It's in their like main headliner when you open up the app. And I've just been kind of rolling my eyes and ignoring it. But now that I know what it is, I'm definitely going to check out Made for Love. The Mask of Zorro from 1998. This was the really good Zorro movie starring Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, this is old Zorro training the new Zorro, that kind of thing. Uh, it's got all kinds of romance. It's climbing up castle walls and all of that good stuff. Mask of Zorro from 1998, Antonio Banderas, Catherine Zeta-Jones. That's a good one. The Man with the Iron Fists. Not the man in the iron mask. The man with the iron fists. Uh, this one is starring Riza. He plays a blacksmith in a Chinese jungle. And there are factions at war in that similar jungle. And they're contracting him out for more and more elaborate weapons. Until eventually Riza has to take a side in this. And he eventually makes like a suit that turns him into a weapon. I'm not really sure what that means. Is it just a suit of armor and he's fighting against more poorly outfitted opponents? But it sounds kind of interesting. Missing in Action 2, The Beginning. From 1985, uh, this was a pretty generic Chuck Norris vehicle. Lots of action, martial arts, explosions, light on the storyline, that kind of thing. If that's your style, 
missing in action too. I don't actually see much Chuck Norris floating around these days, even though he's so iconic. Oh, and missing in action too. Both of these have come out on HBO. My super ex-girlfriend starring Uma Thurman. Uh, I'm not the biggest world's biggest Marvel fan, but superhero movies were really bad. Just a little over a decade ago. And this is a pretty good example. The Natural, 1984, another Robert Redford movie. This is the one where he plays the star baseball player, but he is shot on the way to tryouts. 16 years later, he's trying, he's recovered, and he's trying out for his rookie season. So he was supposed to be a heavy hitter coming in at 18, 19 years old. He wasn't able to make it because he was injured from a gunshot. Uh, and now he's just trying to get back into it 16 years later. I feel like that would be a really good movie for dad, grandpa, those kind of people. One Day from 2011. This looked like a really generic romance movie. Uh, two people from opposite sides of the track. They meet on college graduation day. Uh, one is poor, one is rich. And they decide from this time, this time on, they're going to meet each other one day a year for the next 20 years to exchange stories and experiences until they finally discover what they've been missing. It's each other. Uh, yeah, really generic romance movie. But some people want and arguably need that kind of thing every once in a while just to kind of get those feelings roaming inside them. Police Academy, two, three, four, five, six, and Mission to Moscow are all coming to HBO Max. Uh, if you like that kind of silly uh, slapstick, I would almost say, comedy, uh, you've got all of them here for you. Primal Fear from 1996. Richard Gere is playing a sleazebag lawyer who's more interested in power, money, and fame than the outcome of justice, which is not good for a lawyer. You should be really primarily interested in justice. But at some point in the movie, he ends up working with an ex-pupil of his, and he's defending uh, what is referred to as the church in the movie. I assume it's Christianity, Catholicism, something in there. Uh, and some very dark secrets come out, and all of a sudden Richard Gere's character is realizing how important justice and honesty is to his work rather than just increasing his own personal wealth. We've got Reasonable Doubt, another lawyer movie. A lawyer is in a hit-and-run accident, and he finds a trial for the man that was blamed, but the person that's blamed for the hit-and-run was not actually in the car. It's just an innocent man who's being kind of pulled into this. So the lawyer that was hit gets involved and gets that man off and said, hey, he didn't run me over. We can't charge him with anything. But then it turns out that the guy that he got off for not running him over is a really terrible person and should be uh, arrested, persecuted, etc., for other crimes that he has done. So now there's this internal struggle between the lawyer who got this guy off and turns out he's a bad guy, all of that. Red Dawn from 1984, Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen. Uh, this was that, back when they had uh, kind of 
cable movies, this was a heavy hitter. This is an alternate world where communism is taking over, and the U.S. is like the last safeguard against communism. Uh, it's just full of ridiculous action. This is just... This is bad 80s action movie at its core, and it's so bad it's kind of good. Uh, if you're at all interested in just ridiculous 80s action flicks, Red Dawn is prime, it's prime in its excellence. The Return from 2006. Sarah Michelle Gellar and Adam Scott, they were in a movie together? I don't remember that. Uh, it was a murder mystery teen horror flick. Uh, it doesn't look good. It lost money in the box office. Uh, Cher- Sarah Michelle Gellar had a really rough time outside of Buffy. She just wasn't able to make anything else work. Risky Business from 1983. 92%. This is where Tom Cruise is sliding across the wood floor in his socks. Uh, Tom Cruise, he plays a teenager. And his parents are going out of town. He invites his buddies over for a party. They try to hire a prostitute. They crash his father's car. It's very Ferris Bueller-y in all these disasters that are happening. And they have to be covered up before the parents come home. Roger and Me. This was Michael Moore's first movie. And it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. If you like documentaries, if you like Michael Moore, uh, this is a very good one. But Michael Moore takes his muckraking to a GM plant in Flint, Michigan, and he tries to figure out why 30,000 people lost their job. I think Roger refers to Roger Moore, who is a bigwig at GM. I believe that's correct. Space Jam. We've got the new Space Jam coming down the line, so they released the original Space Jam for us. Uh, If you want to watch Space Jam back when... Lola Bunny had curves uh, it is available for you so everybody can stop complaining about what they've done to Lola Bunny Speed 2 Cruise Control this movie is legendary 4% on Rotten Tomatoes they took this really really cool idea of speed where there was this bus tearing through the city and it had to stay over 55 miles an hour or everybody on the bus was going to explode and there was all these great scenes, and they're jumping the bus uh, like over unfinished roads. And then Speed 2, Cruise Control, was about a boat that had to keep driving. Yeah, boats can do that. That's ridiculous. Uh, so I've never seen Speed 2, Cruise Control. I just know the legends. I might have to take a look into this. Spellbound from 2003. Uh, Spellbound. It is a documentary about the 1999 Scripps National Spelling Bee. So Spelling Bee, Spellbound. This one's 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It sounds like kind of a boring subject, but with that higher rating and documentaries have such an amazing ability to take something mundane and dig up something interesting in it, I feel like Spellbound is a must-watch. Stuart Little from 1999. I saw this one in theaters. Uh, Stuart Little gets adopted by a family, but he's adopted as a child, not as a pet mouse. Uh, And then he's living the life of a human in an 
mouse form and he goes to school but obviously this would create problems etc this is a really cute kid movie i i've got nothing negative to say about Stuart little the texas chainsaw massacre the beginning from 2006 i think i've already said everything i have to say about texas chainsaw massacre wanderlust from 2012 it's got a pretty decent cast. It's got Paul Rudd. It's got Jennifer Aniston. Uh, they're struggling with everyday problems, and they stumble upon this counterculture community called Elysium, and they think they found the solution uh, in this counterculture world. You don't work for... You kind of... You create and you trade, and clothing is optional, and all these different counterculture things where it wouldn't work in real society but they've created this tiny little commune where they can go against the norm so paul rudd jennifer aniston they find this place they think it's the solution to their problems but really they're just trading their old problems for a new set of problems this doesn't interest me but i think a lot of people would be really curious about that alternative lifestyle commune in there so that could be kind of a cool watch the Warriors, 1979. Warriors, come out and play. Uh, I'm sure we all remember that. Uh, this one's 88%. I had no idea. I haven't seen The Warriors, but one of my favorite films is Gangs of New York. And this sounds very, very similar. At least the plot line, but in execution, it looks very different. But there's a turf battle going on in New York City, and the Warriors are fingered for killing a gang leader. Soon, every gang in New York is looking for the Warriors. I know I'm going to watch this movie, and I'm shamed that I haven't seen it before. The Watch from 2012. Uh, this is one of those movies that Seth Rogen wrote, and he kind of just hopes everybody forgets about it. Uh, it had Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill. Uh, it's Oh, The Watch, it, it's the Neighborhood Watch. Sorry, I should have put that earlier in my notes. But it's basically just a group of Neighborhood Watch guys getting into lame antics. It had a terrible review. Uh, the Watch, as much as I love Seth Rogen, I love Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill. This one can be easily skipped. White Noise from 2005. I worked in the movie theater when this one came out, and... It was a big multiplex. It had 12 different theaters, and the new movies would go into the center theaters, which were the biggest. And then as you worked your way down the hall and then around the corner and coming back, the theaters just got smaller, smaller, smaller. And movies that had been there for a while that weren't attracting that giant audience, they'd get shoved into these tiny little theaters, and the screens were like half the size, and it had like a third of the seating capacity of the main theaters. The reason I explain all of this is when White Noise came out, it got shoved right into one of those tiny little theaters. Uh, whoever was in charge of making those choices, whether it was my boss at the movie theater or he was given advice uh, and data about the movie and he, it was an educated decision to do that. Yeah, White Noise just got crammed right in the back of the theater. Nobody wanted to watch it. Nobody did see it. I suppose I should tell you what it's about, right? Michael Keaton's 
is the main character, and his wife has recently passed. Uh, now he thinks he's receiving transmissions from the afterlife in the white noise on his television, the radio, the electronics. You know how all electronics have kind of a buzzing, and specifically a TV that's tuned to a cable channel that has nothing on it. It's just white noise, and he thinks he's getting transmissions from the afterlife. And it's just a really bad movie, and not even fun bad. It's just useless bad. The Wildlife, 2016. This one has a Rotten Tomato score of 93%, but it sounds a little underwhelming, even though it's got those great scores. Uh, there's a child of a housewife and a golf pro. When his father loses his job as a pro golfer, his father goes off to fight forest fires, because that was his second career idea. So now the son of the family must be the one, must be the man of the house, and he witnesses his mother in very adult struggles that he shouldn't really be engaged in. So it sounds like kind of a typical broken home type movie, but with a score on Rotten Tomatoes of 93%, there's some people out there that might be interested in checking out The Wildlife. And finally, last movie coming out April 1st, 2021, to HBO Max, Within, from 2016. Nothing good happening here. It's just another bad haunted house movie. I didn't write down any notes. Uh, I would guess that somebody's husband or wife dies in the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie, you know, that first act, and then everybody struggles with that person's death. And something's haunted. Moving forward, April 2nd now, we have On the Spectrum. This is this is a scripted show. It's not documentary-esque. There are three 20-something-year-olds that are on the autistic spectrum living together and just kind of figuring out that whole life. It's, it sounds kind of interesting, but the fact that it's scripted and the actors are not actually... S- suffering from autism or not dealing with autism it feels like this is in a really weird place uh like it feels a little like blackface-esque obviously not that bad but if there's people portraying a illness that they don't have and that's the primary part of the film is what they're dealing with that seems a little bit weird uh i hope that it's 100 percent positive i might check this one out uh this is just kind of a topic that's been forefront in society lately. But I think a documentary style of this rather than just scripted television would play a little bit better. April 3rd. We're getting a little bit faster now. We're moving through the calendar. April 3rd, we've got Ted. You guys remember Ted, right? The movie with Mark Wahlberg and the teddy bear smoking out of the bong. Directed by Seth MacFarlane. Ted is available. Uh, you got to check that one out. April 4th, Q, Into the Storm, the final episodes. I watched every episode of the Q, Into the Storm documentary. It was so good. It was everything I imagined, but a million times crazier. Uh, you immediately pick up on who the villain of the documentary is, but they're hiding it in this really really bad way he the the main villain just he keeps pretending he doesn't know anything about computers or social networking 
but he also waxes his mustache and his eyebrows like upwards in these twirls that make him look like an evil villain, like an evil supervillain. Q Into the Storm is an amazing documentary series, and everybody really needs to go watch it. April 5th, Hard, Season 2, the finale. The main character, Sophia's husband, recently died. Uh, he was a porn mogul. That's where, the t- that's where the series title Hard comes from. And now Sophia has to run the company, and if she doesn't want to lose her home, she also falls in love with a dude who has a giant penis. So I guess her husband died, and now she's running his business, and now she's in love with one of his former employees who had a bigger penis than he did. It's a very sweet, loving kind of movie. April 6th, Jendi Tartakovsky's Primal. Uh, This is an adult animated series. Uh, It's part of the Adult Swim style stuff. A caveman befriends a T-Rex, and they struggle with prehistoric life. I saw some people talking on an HBO Facebook group about this last night. Everybody sounded really interested about it. So this could be pretty cool, despite how difficult it is to mention the creator's name. So Primal. April 7th. Exterminate All the Brutes. This is a documentary series. Um, It was created by Raoul Peck. He did I Am Not Your Negro and Sometimes in April. This is a a four-part series, uh, and it's offering an expansive look at the exploration, the exploitative, like, genocidal aspects of European colonialism uh, from America to Africa and its impact on society today. So this is just looking at how European colonials kind of forced expansionism and that kind of thing. April 9th, The Other Two. So The Other Two refers to these two siblings that are the main stars of the show, and they're struggling to find their way through life. The boy of those two, he's trying to find better acting parts than guy at party who smells like fart. And his sister is just struggling to find anything in general. And then to further complicate their issues and their struggles and their feelings about where they're at in life, their younger brother becomes a YouTube star overnight, which is a really funny turn on this. Uh, It is written by a couple of SNL head writers. I didn't get their names, so I do apologize for that. Um, This sounds really funny. I'm definitely going to check out the other two. A Tiny Audience. Uh, This is just uh, some Latin musicians sit down in small, intimate groups. They explain their music. They talk about their personal secrets, and they perform songs. So A Tiny Audience is just... It's kind of one of those little HBO things that they do. April 10th, The New Mutants from 2020. Five teenage mutants, Mirage, Wolfsbane, Cannonball, Sunspot, and Magic, Magic with a K, are undergoing treatments at a secret institution, and it's supposed to cure them of their powers, take their powers away, but a revealing dream tells them that they might be trapped there and their powers are being extracted rather than they're voluntarily part of the situation. There might have been a little 
brain wiping going on. But this is another one where Maisie Williams, Arya Stark from Game of Thrones, is a main character. I didn't know she was doing this many other things yet. That's really cool. April 11th, The Nevers. This one looks really cool. Uh, this one was kind of created by Joss Whedon. He's stepped back from it since then. But Joss Whedon made Firefly, who I'm doing that other podcast on. He did Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was another one. And if you don't know about Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, that was this really cool little musical that he made during the writer's strike uh, starring Nathan Fillion, Felicia Day, and Doogie Howser. Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, that was a I love Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, and I really like a lot of uh, Joss Whedon's other stuff. So he did step down from the Nevers, like halfway into it, so he's not super involved, but the idea still came out of him. But this is about uh, Victorian London. Uh, the idea is basically that certain people have been given superpowers, mostly women, and they have very bizarre abilities, anywhere from wondrous to disturbing. And I'm pulling those words right off of a article released about the movie. Um, the big conflict in this movie, or in this show, I'm sorry, is that all these people with superpowers are in danger. There's somebody trying to kill all of them off. So they then find shelter. They probably find each other and band together, that kind of thing. Uh, this sounds really good. I'm excited about The Nevers. I will be watching it this week. April 13th, Our Towns. This is a documentary. Basically, a couple travel to small cities across America and explains what makes each little city special. April 15th, Infinity Train, another Max original. This is an animated show targeted at young adults. The main character is a 13-year-old girl with a robot companion, and she wants to learn to be a computer programmer. That sounds kind of cute. Uh, Infinity Train. Might be something for 10-year-old daughter or something. April 17th, The Dark Knight Rises. Finally. I have been watching The Dark Knight, like, once every two weeks for the past two months. And I'm ready for The Dark Knight Rises. Just, it's a great show to put on the background. It's a great show to watch intensely. I love these three movies. April 18th, Mayor of Easttown, another HBO limited series. This one stars Kate Winslet. It's an exploration into the dark side of small, close communities. And it's an authentic examination on how families of past tragedies can define our present. So it's just... It's looking at people struggling in small communities, basically, and how difficult it can be to get past tragedy. April 20th, Real Sports with Bryant Gumble. I didn't know that Real Sports was still going on. Uh, I remember this being a staple on HBO in, like, the early 2000s, so that's cool that it's still going. But it's basically 2020 for the sports scene. They do monthly episodes. And every episode covers four different topics. And while I'm on the subject of recurring shows, I've never mentioned last week tonight with John Oliver. Uh, I kind of make these list ups, lists up 
from different sources around the internet, that kind of thing, and I write my own description of everything. But I guess none of those sources have shown John Oliver last week tonight. And I watch every week. Uh, that is one of my favorite news programs. I recognize that it is slightly slanted news, but it's also very easy to digest. And I'm a big fan of John Oliver. Uh, so every Sunday night, John Oliver is supposed to have last week tonight, but they do take a lot of time off for holidays, for all kinds of different reasons. So when I say every Sunday, that's with a lot of gaps. April 22nd, one, two, three, all eyes on me from 2020. This is a really sad sounding movie, uh, but it's a movie about the crisis at an elementary school where a teacher has to keep her kids calm and safe. It's not a documentary. It's not anything like that. It's a scripted movie where there's either an active shooter or some kind of terrorism going on in an elementary school and the teacher has to keep her kids calm and safe. That that's dark i'm okay with dark but that's just gross dark i don't know who would want to write a movie about an entire elementary school full of kids that are in danger first ladies uh this one came out last year 2020 it's a documentary style it basically it's a look at the political lives of the first ladies throughout history so that could be that could be interesting i feel like depending on your political leaning, as they travel through them, you could learn more about the people you disliked. And I don't know. First Ladies 2020, that sounds like it could be good. That's a, That could be good. April 23rd, the Mortal Kombat's coming. The new Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, there's a lot of people that are really excited about this one. I should probably watch the old Mortal Kombat to get ready for it. But this is probably going to be huge. This is one of those WB movies that's coming direct to HBO, same day it's coming out in theater, so you will only have one month to watch it. A Black Lady Sketch Show, Season 2. This is created by Robin Thede. Uh, it's basically, it's Emmy Award winning. Or no, I'm sorry, it's only Emmy nominated. I need to read what I typed. But it's a sketch show. I love sketch. And the core cast is all black women living relatable hilarious experiences uh i think that sounds really good i'll probably watch an episode or two april 24th dream girls this was that kind of heavy hitter musical dancing that came out in 2006 starring beyonce um <clears throat> the three dreamettes dream girls dreamettes they get noticed at a talent competition and they're roped into being Eddie Murphy's backup singers. But then one of them gets thrust into the, sp into the spotlight. And the other are kind of pushed to stay back. And how does that affect their relationships, their friendships, that kind of thing. April 26th, The Artist. This one came out in 2011. But it's meant to be to play more, like more of a 30 eras, almost silent film. There's very, very little dialogue. And all of the tone and all of the messages you're supposed to get are conveyed through cinematic shots and the score of the film. So that sounds really interesting. I've never seen The Artist, but it sounds like it's 
a very high level, very classy type of movie, something that really should be watched. <laughs> Sorry for that. Uh, I kind of had a delay just there. I was hearing weird noises and my dog Zoe just walked in. So I apologize, but everybody wants to hear from Zoe. The last thing coming to HBO this month, April 29th, Looney Tunes is doing something new. I didn't know that. Uh, it's basically Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig. Uh, I don't think Pepe Le Pew is around anymore. Uh, but, you know, all of those Marvin the Martian, all of the Looney Tunes, they're making new cartoons for him. And just to kind of show that it's the new style, when you look at the cover for Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny is holding a smartphone, which is kind of interesting. So, yeah, Looney Tunes, there's new episodes. That's really cool. I I watched a lot of Looney Tunes when I was a kid. Uh, what was it? Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner. Those were one of my favorites. That's going to be really good. All right. If you're still here, that means you made it through my entire episode. Thank you so much. I cranked out. This is the most different movies I've done yet. There were so many movies in here. I will count them up and put them in the show notes. But thank you for sticking with me. I really appreciate it. This is Best Flicks. I'm Ricky D. We're doing Best Flicks with Ricky D. Thanks for coming with me.